You see, Paul knew what it was like to know this God who had forgiven him and put him into service. And he was thankful. That's what people need to see from you and me. Thankfulness not for our prowess, not for some circumstance, but thankfulness for the grace of God in our lives. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. You will turn in your Bibles to Paul's first epistle to his protege Timothy in Ephesus. Thank you, Lord, for your scripture in 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's take a look at verses 13 and 14 for just a moment as we consider what Paul considered was his past. He once was, he said. Look with me at verse 13 and 14. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. It's interesting that Paul uses these words because they show a progression or, in a sense, a regression of a spiral down into a deep and abiding attitude toward Christ. The first was that he became a blasphemer. Simply blaspheming in this context meant that he defamed Christ. Every time he confronted anything to do with Christ, he defamed it as much as possible, speaking against it and against Christ himself. But this led also to him becoming a persecutor. We find him first in the New Testament, and we meet him first at the murder of Stephen. Yes, the murder. Stephen was proclaiming the gospel and was stoned to death for his testimony. And we are told that this Paul, who writes this letter, was holding the clothing of those who needed their arms free to throw rocks. He became a persecutor. The last word, translated in the New International Version, a violent man, 
is a word that also can be translated insolent. Full of violence. Because we find him not long after that incident of the murder of Stephen. As the Bible describes him in Acts 9. Listen to the way the Bible describes him in Acts 9 verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murder and threats against the Lord's disciples. So he went to the high priest. You see, the foundation, the basis for his life, his very breath was murder, insolence, an attitude of superiority toward Christ and toward his disciples. This man was bent on vengeance. And the curious thing is that Jesus had predicted such a person as this man who at that time was known as Saul. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples not long before his death. All this I have told you, and this is found in John 16, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. The word service that Jesus uses in John 16 is the word from which we get the word litany or worship. The Apostle Paul actually thought he was worshiping God, that he was doing right, doing service for God when he was killing Christians and imprisoning Christians. This was the basis. This is why it says that he breathed out murder. He had taken on the same attitude as the one he served. He thought he was serving God. Jesus points out in the Gospels that the one Paul was serving at that time was Satan, who, Jesus said, had been a murderer from the beginning. And so Paul looks at his past and says, yes, this was the kind of person I was. But, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He is recalling his conversion. He's thinking back. He's reviewing his conversion. Yes, he was bent on going to Damascus that day. That's recorded in Acts with all the vehemence, with all the tenaciousness, with all the violence that he could muster. And Christ Jesus met him on the way. Listen to what Jesus says to Saul when he meets him on that road to Damascus. Saul Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? 
Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Paul was reviewing this in his mind with Timothy, his protege, and with those in the church at Ephesus, remembering his past. Perhaps there are things about last year that you would rather forget, but they keep coming back. You know, there's nothing you can do, there's nothing I can do about what, what is recorded in our hard drive of our brain. It's there. The only thing we can do is when they come back, we can ask the Lord to help us not to dwell upon them. You can't forget it. You can only choose to deal with it as it is today. And this is what Paul does. Yes, those things were true of him. He was a murderer, but he was shown mercy. And he's remembering this as part of his history. You see, God was able and willing to bring Paul to himself through his grace, love, and faith. Yes, Paul was once a really bad man. But he doesn't dwell there. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't wallow in his sin, which could certainly become a, a great pool of wallowing. And that is true for us, perhaps some of us here today. There are things in our lives that have taken place that keep coming back, and we, we have a tendency to want to wallow in those when the reality is, is that that's past. Christ Jesus has brought his grace to bear on that, on those things. So Paul goes on to say, now I am this. Turn with me to verses 15 and verse 12. He begins by saying, Something about Christ, the Christ that he met on the Damascus road. Verse 15 reads this way. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He was reflecting and repeating the very words of Jesus. You find them in the Gospels, two places in particular. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus says in verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And then when he deals with Zacchaeus, the great robber of people, a tax gatherer, in verse nine, chapter 19 of Luke, he says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And so there are people in your life today and perhaps people that you won't have to deal with tomorrow maybe, but you may have to deal with them on Tuesday. People who live in your family, your extended family, your neighbors on the street, your work associates, 
Some of these people were just like I am. I was when I was 14 or 15. They have no idea about the grace of God or even their own sinfulness. They're ignorant, just as Paul was ignorant. And he said he was the worst of sinners. But God had grace upon him. You see, those people in your place of work or in your family or in your neighborhood or those who are your friends, they need to know this gospel. They need to know the forgiveness of Christ. And he says this is God's purpose. Jesus' purpose was to bring repentance to people. Paul's review did not stop with his sinfulness. It went beyond it. It went to the reality of his life in Christ. He knew, yes, he had been the worst of sinners. But now he was Christ's. And that his Lord had done something remarkable. Not only saving him. But look with me at verse 12 of this passage. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. He says he continually thanks Christ now in the present. And he says that he strengthened him. The word that means that he brought him to himself. This isn't just Paul saying, you know, God gave him some strength. He's saying that on that day in Damascus, near Damascus, when Christ confronted him, Christ saved him, imparting his Holy Spirit to him, giving him new life, forgiving his blasphemy, his persecution, his insolence, wiping it away, And enabling him to be in his service. That's a very interesting word that Paul uses there. He doesn't say that Jesus made him an apostle. He could have said that. He could have done that. And he has in many places in the New Testament in his epistles. He defends his apostleship. But here he thanks Christ for putting him into his service. The word is the word from which we get deacon or ministry. Christ enabled Paul to become his servant. You see, the the weird thing about it is that Paul thought he was the servant of God when he was killing Christians. And Christ flipped him, turned him around, The Christ, the same Christ can turn you around today if you do not know him. He can turn around anyone with whom you work or with whom you're friends or work associates. Christ can do that. You can't. But listen to the rest of what he says there. Appointing me to his service. Christ has appointed you as a Christian believer to his service. 
what is that service going to be for you in 2018? I can't tell you. But as you review and as you look in renewal toward 2018, you need to spend some time thinking about and asking God to reveal to you what that service may be. For he may be calling you to something brand new, something exciting and exuberant, something perhaps very difficult, but rewarding because you know it is in his service that you do it. You see, God is able to give you thoughts through his scriptures and experiences in his providence that guide you into his purposes. This is the truth for Paul as well. You can read in the book of Acts, after he went to Damascus becoming a Christian, he began preaching about Christ and everybody said, what is going on? We thought this guy was coming here to kill Christians and now he's preaching Christ. Let me tell you, Paul couldn't have predicted that that was going to happen. And so you may not be able to predict what God will be doing in your life in 2018, but you can begin thanking Him and seeking it now. What will it be? Now, Paul says, and dwells on his future. He's done with, I was once, I am now. Now he is tackling, what will I be? Look at verse 16 with me for just a moment. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And this is something that is part of our testimony, yours and mine. Yes, we once were sinners like Paul. And he says this in an emphatic way, using the personal pronoun, when he says, God was shown mercy that in me, in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him. The word example there is another word coined by Paul. There's a simple word in the New Testament for example. That's used very many times in the New Testament. But here, Paul adds a prefix, hyper, hyper example. I am in a hyper example. He wasn't being prideful about it. He juxtaposed it with being the worst sinner. He saw himself as the worst sinner, and he was the worst sinner. But now God had made him a hyper example of his grace. You see, that's what God is doing in your life. In the context in which you live and move and work and play and study 
and live life. For someone or someones, you may be, as Paul was, a hyper example of God's grace. Do they know that? Have they heard that from you? Have you been praying for them? Paul understood God's patience. In Romans 2, he says, Or do you show contempt for the richness and kindness of God's tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? Paul must have thought all those months and all that time that he was spending as a Pharisee and persecuting Christians, God was patiently waiting until that day on the road to Damascus. His patience. Perhaps you need a lot of patience with the people with whom you deal. Perhaps patience is not one of your virtues. God can give you that patience. God's patience is seen in our patience with those who don't know Christ. Many times my children growing up at home would complain about people in school or on the neighborhood or, and they would complain about the things that they didn't said. And I said, well, what do you expect from a non-believer? Do you expect them to act like Christ? No, we need to be patient and long-suffering with people who don't understand Christ and ultimately don't understand us. Don't understand our faith don't understand our hope, don't understand our future. But some of them will through your example and mine. People are watching us, friends. What kind of example am I and are we to those people? Only God can tell you. But here the Apostle Paul ends his review with the renew of verse 17. Look at it with me for just a moment. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, the Apostle Paul knew what it was like to be in the depths of repentance. After that day on the Damascus Road, he was blinded for three days. He fasted. During those three days, perhaps he cried out as the psalmist cries out in Psalm 77. Listen to the psalmist. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the days of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused, and my spirit inquired. 
And here were his inquiries. Will the Lord reject us forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Have you ever felt like that? Then, he says, I thought, to this I will appeal, the years at the right hand of the Lord, the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. You see, Paul knew what it was like to know this God who had forgiven him and put him into service, and he was thankful. That's what people need to see from you and me. Thankfulness not for our prowess, not for some circumstance, but thankfulness for the grace of God in our lives. Let's let them see it. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we give thanks to you that you are the God of all grace and that in the life of the Apostle Paul, you showed that so wonderfully and beautifully. We give thanks that we now can sing of that glory and enjoy your presence through your Holy Spirit. And we ask this for Christ's sake. Amen. Would you like to explore membership at First Presbyterian Church? Join us for a new member weekend and discover how we worship and live out our faith with each other and our community. The weekend consists of three sessions taking place on Friday evening, Saturday morning, and Sunday afternoon. You'll enjoy a meal with our senior pastor and other leaders. Learn what we believe and hear about our vision. Child care is available. Register today at firstpressgreenville.org.